Hare Krishna. We have a number of speakers today. I'll speak first. I'm going to narrate the ever-fresh Govardhan Leela as spoken by Srila Prabhupada. When Krishna and Balaram were observing the Brahmanas who were too much involved in Vedic rituals, they saw that Nanda Maharaj and the coward men were also arranging for a sacrifice for Indra, the controller of the reins. <coughs> Being the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna was omniscient, so he knew all about the sacrifice. But out of etiquette, he inquired with great honor and submission from his father. He asked, My dear father, what is this great sacrifice going on? Who is it intended for? What is its purpose? How is it performed? I'm very eager to know all the details. Please tell me. When Krishna inquired, Nanda Maharaj was silent, thinking that his young boy wouldn't understand the intricacies of the sacrifice. But Krishna persisted. He said, for those who are saintly and liberal, there are no secrets. They don't consider anyone as enemy or friend, they're open to everyone. And even for those who aren't so liberal, there are no secrets from family members and friends. So you can't keep any secrets from me. Everyone is engaged in fruit of activities. Some people know what they are doing, what are the results that they'll get. And as a result, they get a successful result. Some people don't know what they're doing and they get a poor result. So do you know what you're doing here? What is this sacrifice? Is it a Vedic injunction? Or is it just a popular ceremony? Please tell me about it. Now Nanda Maharaj replied, My dear boy, it is due to the mercy of King Indra that we get rainfall and this ceremony we're performing is more or less traditional. It's a sacrifice to King Indra to show him gratitude for so kindly sending us sufficient rainfall for our agriculture. Rain is very important. Without rain, we can't grow grains. Without grains, we can't live. Grains are... Rainfall is necessary for religious ceremonies, economic development, and ultimately liberation 
So anyone who doesn't perform this ceremony out of lust or greed or fear, it doesn't look very good for him. On hearing this, Krishna then spoke in the presence of his father and the other elderly cowherd men in a way that made King Indra very angry. He asked them to forego the sacrifice. His reasons were twofold. First of all, in the Bhagavad Gita it says that anyone who worships the demigods is not very intelligent because the results of that worship are temporary and people who want temporary results are not intelligent. The second reason was that even the temporary results that you get from the demigods are only given by permission of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The demigods can't give things independently. But sometimes demigods become puffed up with their powers, their limited powers, and they think that they're the all in all. So Krishna knew that Indra was very puffed up and is clearly stated in the Srimad Bhagavatam that in this instance Krishna wanted to make Indra angry and he wanted to curb his false pride. So with this in mind, he began to speak like an atheist, supporting the karma mimamsa philosophy. The advocates of this philosophy do not accept the authority of the personality of Godhead. They say that if you just work nicely, you'll get your results. Even if there is a God, he can't give results to anyone unless they perform their duties. So there's no need to worship him. A God or a demigod. Krishna spoke this karma mimamsa philosophy to his father. He said, Father, there's no need to worship the demigod Indra for your agricultural success. We all come into this world from our past karma. And the karma we accrue in this life gives us our next body. Everything is karma. Our present situation is due to our past activities and our present activities are forming our next situation. So just do your duties and the results will come. Nanda Maharaj and the other men objected and they argued. They said, 
Just by doing material activities, you don't get the result. And that's actually a fact. For example, it's seen that in a case where one may have a good physician and good medical treatment, the patient succumbs to his disease and dies. Or despite the care of loving parents, the children may go bad or succumb to death. There has to be the hand of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. There has to be the sanction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sananda Maharaj said, therefore, we're worshipping Indra because by his sanction the rains will come. Krishna nullified this idea by saying, the demigods can't give results to anyone who hasn't done their prescribed duty. The demigods aren't independent in awarding results. So why care for them? You should just be engaged in your prescribed duty. The duty for the Brahmanas is to study the Vedas. The duty for the Kshatriyas is to protect the citizens. The duty of the Vaishyas is to protect cows and do agriculture and banking and trading. And the duty of the Sudras is to support the other four orders, three orders. said that we identify with the Vaisha community and though I prescribed that there are four duties for Vaishas Nanda Maharaj is protecting many cows and Krishna was taking care of the cows so that was his prime duty Krishna said, we don't have to go to any village or town or city. In the city there are many palatial buildings, but we're satisfied to live in Vrindavan Forest. Our relationship is with Vrindavan Forest and Govardhan Hill and nothing else. So, my dear father, I propose that you arrange a sacrifice for the local brahmanas in Govardhan Hill and let us have nothing to do with Indra. His father said, Since you are asking, I'll arrange a separate sacrifice for the local brahmanas in Govardhan Hill. But first, let me do this Indra sacrifice. Krishna said, Father, don't delay. 
the sacrifice for the Brahmins in Govardhan Hill will take a long time. Just take the paraphernalia you have now and use it for the Govardhan sacrifice. Nanda Maharaj finally relented. Then the cowherd men asked Krishna how he wanted it performed. He said, just take all the paraphernalia you have and prepare very nice foodstuffs from the ghee and grains you've collected. Prepare rice and dal and halava and pakora and puris and milk products. Make sweet rice, sandesh, rasgula, sweet balls, ladus, and give grains to the brahmanas. <clears throat> Feed the cows grasses. And as far as the lower animals are concerned, the cows and dogs, and the lower living human beings like the fifth class people, the chandalas or the untouchables, they may also be given sumptuous food. If you perform this sacrifice, it will please me very much. The Govardhan Puja sacrifice is observed in the Krishna consciousness movement. Lord Chaitanya said that as Krishna is worshipable, his land, Vrindavan and Govardhan, is also worshipable. So since that day, the Govardhan Puja is still going on. It is known as Anukuta. And in all the temples in Vrindavan and outside of Vrindavan, huge quantities of prasadam are prepared and distributed to the crowds. Sometimes they're thrown to the crowds and they pick it up off the ground. This is to show that prasadam is never polluted or contaminated. The people gladly collect it and eat it. So the honest and simple cowherd men carried out everything Krishna said. They stopped the Indra Jagya and they arranged for the Govardhan Puja. He told them to get the cows, put the cows in front, and circumambulate the hill. The women dressed up luxuriantly and got into bullock carts. And they all started circumambulating. When everything was arranged, Krishna then assumed a huge transcendental form and he declared that he was none different than Govardhan Hill just to prove the identity of Krishna with Govardhan Hill and his huge transcendental form began eating all the offerings This identity of Krishna with Govardhan Hill is still honored 
and great devotees take rocks from Govardhan Hill and worship them just like the deity in the temple. The members of the Krishna consciousness movement may therefore gather rocks or little pebbles and worship them just like the deity. So they circumambulated the hill and everything was done successfully. Everyone was pleased. And then they returned to their homes. But King Indra in the heavenly planet was very angry. that the sacrifice had been stopped as the controller of the clouds he called for the Samvartika cloud these clouds are invited when there is a need for the annihilation of the cosmos so he called for them and told them to go over Vrindavan and inundate the place. Just imagine what an overkill this was. The clouds that are called for the cosmic inundation were sent over the village of Vrindavan. He was so mad. He said, just see the impudence of these coward men. They're puffed up with their material influence and their association with this boy named Krishna who is just an ordinary human being. They must be punished. They become overconfident because of their association with Krishna who is just a tiny child, talkative, childish, and unaware of the complete cosmic manifestation although he thinks he's got knowledge. They must be destroyed along with their cows. The Samvartika clouds were a little hesitant to take on the assignment. But Indra encouraged them, go ahead, he said, I'll follow you on my elephant and I'll use all my power. I'll bring storms will destroy Vrindavan. So the dangerous clouds appeared over Vrindavan and they began to pour down rain. It fell like sharp, piercing arrows. It fell like columns of water. And it began to inundate the whole area until eventually you couldn't tell the higher land from the lower land. It was very dangerous, especially for the animals. And the winds blew, and it became very cold, out of season. Everyone was trembling. 
So everyone went for shelter to Govinda, to his lotus feet. The cows went with their heads bowed and their calves under their bodies and took shelter at his feet. And all the human inhabitants prayed, My dear Krishna, you are all-powerful and you are very affectionate to your devotees, so please save us from angry Indra. Krishna could understand that this storm was the work of Indra, that he was thinking he was all in all in the universe, and that he was insulted because the sacrifice was stopped. Krishna thought to himself, I know that Indra is my servant, but somehow he's become forgetful and maddened by false prestige. I will act in such a way as to break his false prestige. These pure devotees of mine have taken shelter in me, and I have vowed to protect them, so I will save them by my mystic potency. Saying this, Krishna picked up Govardhan Hill with one hand, exactly like a child picks up a mushroom from the ground, and he held it up in the air. Then he addressed himself to the inhabitants of Vrindavan. My dear fathers, my dear friends, my dear inhabitants, please come and take shelter under this huge umbrella I've created from Govardhan Hill. I think this will give you sufficient protection from the rains. You are very much harassed by the storms. Don't think that the hill will fall from my hand. Be happy with your animals under this shelter umbrella of Govardhan Hill. Being assured by Krishna, they all went under the hill and they appeared to be safe. They stayed there for one entire week and they weren't inconvenienced or in need of any food or drink or anything else. They were simply amazed to see Krishna holding up the mountain with the little finger of his left hand. Indra was thunderstruck and dumbfounded in his determination. He called for the clouds and told them to desist and he fled away. Then time passed and the rivers went down and the rains stopped and the floods ceased. And Krishna said to the inhabitants, it's safe now, you can come out from the mountain and you can take your animals out. So the men slowly loaded up the ox carts and left the shelter of the hill. And when they were all gone, Krishna slowly placed back over the hill exactly in the same spot. Then all the residents rushed forward to him and they gave him their blessings. Nanda Maharaj, Yasoda, Rohini, 
and Balaram all embraced him. The gopis gave him their blessings and gave him yogurt mixed with their tears. And in the heavenly planets, the Gandharvas and Charnas and Siddhas all dropped flowers, blew on conch shells and played on tamburas. Krishna was now known as the lifter of Govardhan Hill. There are a couple of epilogues to the Govardhan Leela. The most important one is Indra asking for forgiveness. Shortly after the Krishna lifted up the Govardhan Hill, a Surabi cow from Goloka Vrindavan appeared there before Krishna with Indra. Indra was aware of his offenses and he bowed down before Krishna, although his own helmet was shining like the sun. And he made prayers asking for forgiveness. Krishna smiled and forgave him and said, Go back to the heavenly kingdom, but don't ever forget that you are subordinate to me. All the demigods are subordinate to me. Then again, the demigods showered flowers, and there were celebrations. This uh, Leela takes place as uh, a series of, uh, you might say, um, transgressions by, by Krishna, uh, establishing his supremacy. Before this, he had also been to a village of Brahms who were doing traditional yajna. And, uh, had asked uh, this cow friends who were hungry, we have some food. No, no, we can't interrupt our sacrifice. They were doing a, a sacrifice. Their wives uh, wanted to feed Krishna, uh, uh, which was in violation of the proper sequence of things. Anyway, it turned out the wives, uh, the Brahmins had to uh, uh, finally decide that their wives were more intelligent than they were because they recognized who Krishna was. Previous to this, the young Gobi girls, uh, just coming of age, had performed a traditional ceremony, 
not to get men to get a good man for a husband, and they all wanted Krishna as their husband. And so he satisfied them by stealing. They were bathing in the Jamuna River. They left their clothes piled on the banks. He gathered all the clothes together while they were unclothed in the water, clothed only by the waves of the Jamuna, and uh, told them to come and get their clothes. Begged them from there. Uh, so in this way, uh, uh, actually fulfilling their desire, protectively before uh, the attack of becoming their husband, and so that was also so much transgressive. He made them. They came out of the water to get their clothes. And, they were trying to cover themselves modestly with their hands, and he made them think like this with both hands together. So, so in this way, so this is Krishna kind of overturning the established order. And you see here, he did also with, uh, with Lord, Lord Indra. And the point of these things is that, uh, well, the point is in the Bhagavad Gita, the famous verse, Sarvadan man parijaja mamekam Give up all dharma. Oh, isn't that sinful? Huh? What if I commit a sin when I give up all dharma? Sarvadan man parijaja mamekam saranam I just take shelter of me. And you think you might uh, do something wrong in the process? If you commit any sinful, I will protect you. So this is Krishna's uh, promise that he is the Supreme Lord and all dharmas are actually meant for serving Krishna. They just teach a variety of dharmas. But if you understand them, follow them out all the way, understand their purpose, still brings you to Krishna. This is illustrated also by this uh, ceremony. The other thing is that Krishna declares that I am Govardhan because that hill is very, very uh, close to Krishna. Uh, the gopis earlier had described the, this hill as a Haridasavarya the best of the servants of Hari. Uh, in the Bhagavatam, three devotees have that title. One is Govardhan, the other is Uddhava, and the other is Yudhisthira, described as Haridas. This is Haridas Varya, the best of the servants of Krishna. And they describe why it is. It does so much service uh, for, for the Lord. First of all, it helps him herd the cows, if you go to Govardhan now, it looks pretty eroded, but then it had lots of grass, Durvasa grass on it. Um, in, in, in America, it's called Bermuda grass. Golf courses are generally <laughs> paved with Bermuda grass. But uh, it's also used in Arga for uh, ceremonial purposes. It's, sacred. it's a sacred grass. Not of the golf courses, they do stuff to it, but... <laughs> the real uh, grass is there, and that, that grass, is, the cows like it very much, so it gives uh, food to the cows, and uh, fresh water comes uh, out of the mountain, 
so they have plenty to drink, and uh, there's lots of places to play. Uh, if it gets hot, you can get in the caves, and it's cool, and Krishna goes in there, and if it's, if it's wet and rainy, you can also take shelter in the cave, so, and, and uh, the hill shows the signs of ecstasy. You can see today there are rocks that have Krishna's footprint in it, and how can Krishna make his footprint in a rock? Well, because of ecstasy, the hill, the rock kind of partially melted. And similarly, the grass stands up on the end, and the harsha, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, hair standing on end. So this is, has done so much service to Krishna, so close to Krishna. So that's when Krishna says in this pastime, I am Govardhan. This means that this hill, he says, this hill is as worshipable as I am. Uh, and because of its closeness to Krishna. Uh, so one, one thing that we should understand is that anything uh, that's connected with Krishna is one form of Krishna. The philosophy is called Achincha Veda Abheda Tattva, the principle that uh, although nothing is different from Krishna, Krishna is different from everything. There's nothing but Sri Krishna, yet nothing is Sri Krishna save and except his own primordial personality. These are two formulations by Srila Prabhupada. Achincha Abheda 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 Tattva. You cannot think of anything as different from Krishna, but you cannot also think of it as one with Krishna. That's uh, the formulation, this principle. Nothing is different from Krishna, but Krishna is different from everything. I once had the chance to ask Prabhupada a question. We were walking in the New Vrindavan, and he was explaining that, that the trees that we were looking at, was at that the wood was actually sunlight, but it was in a different form. The tree uh, absorbs the energy of the sun and then grows wood. But actually it's just sunlight in another form. And if you ignite the wood, the sun, the light will come back out again. The fire will come back out. So the wood and the fire. The simile, he said, everything is spirit. That's what he said. Everything is spirit. So... uh, when I got a chance, I asked Prabhupada a question. We stopped and, and I said to him, uh, right now I'm trying to understand, working very hard to understand the difference between matter and spirit. Uh, because our first proposition, aham brahmasmi, I am spirit, uh, and therefore I'm not matter, I'm not this body, as Prabhupada put it, and I'm not this body. Some academic actually, made that a book title, talking about Krishna, Krishna consciousness movement. We are not our bodies. So we have to discriminate, like Sankhya does, and Prabhupada gives us exercises. The seer is spirit, and what is observed or seen is material. So we, I have my eyes, 
and I see the world, so I identify the self, the boundary here is the skin. But then I'm conscious of my eyes seeing, I'm conscious of my ears hearing. So I'm also observing those processes. So we have to draw the boundary back a little more. Now then, then we th- think maybe I'm the mind, like Western philosophers all many times, mind and soul are the same thing. But I can, but then my mind thinks and my mind does arithmetic, and I can conscious of my mind doing that. So you have to go back even further. And this way, separate the self from the not self. This is sankhya, part of yoga philosophy, also the same same idea. Pantanjali Yoga. Uh, so we, so I said to Prabhupada, I'm trying to understand the difference between matter and spirit. And you're saying now everything is spirit. And Prabhupada said to me, uh, we are not mayaladis. Which I didn't understand how that was an answer to the question until several years later. But he said we are... Not we are, we are we are we are not Maya bodies. We are not impersonalists. He said, there are different kinds of spirit because because the impersonalist philosophy is called nirvishesha. There's no distinct particulars. Uh, so uh, uh, basically, it's all one, undifferentiated oneness. And what seems to be concrete particulars or individuality or anything you can characterize it doesn't exist. It's an illusion. It do- doesn't exist. It's not, not really there. It doesn't come from Everything comes from Brahman, but not what we see. It's an illusory superimposition, according to that philosophy. Well, everything as we are follow, everything comes from Krishna, everything comes from Brahman, but there's different kinds of energy. There are varieties. And so that's what Prabhupada is saying. So everything is spirit. And the, po- the point of sacrifice, as Prabhupada describes it in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, is the, he calls it the re-spiritualization of matter. That by using everything in Krishna's service, its original spiritual nature becomes revealed. Matter, he says, is an illusion we've imposed upon ourselves owing to our desire to enjoy in this world. When we take everything and use it in Krishna's service, it regains its original spiritual quality. We can perceive it. Everything in relationship to Krishna. And that's why Govardhan, such intimate relationship to Krishna, although it seems to be a, a hill, a mountain, uh, actually, it's another form of Krishna. And he took that form just to show like that. So that's uh, our project is the re-spiritualization of matter. So that even though we are in the material world, uh, we feel no inconvenience. It is as good as Vaikuntha. <coughs> of course, those places that are close to Krishna, of course, Vrindavan is, when you go by Govardhan, <coughs> it's especially powerful. You spend any time there. 
It's an amazing place, so it's really nice. But we're bringing, this is Gugadon Hill. I have to say, by the way, just a kind of historical footnote, this long footnote. (laughs) 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 In India, the Anakuta ceremony uh, is usually just a pile of rice. Oh no, well, at least most people think it means grain. It actually means food in Sanskrit. But just like the main food is grain, so it comes to mean rice or other grains. Just like in English, you know, the original meaning of meat is food, and then the main food is flesh. So that's how it happened. But so same word. Anna means food, but anyway, they always sort by by grains and. In, in, the, in our organization, devotees of big hills of rice. Well, let's, let's set up, it has to be grains, let's have halibut instead of rice. <laughs> <laughs> so we made big mountains of halibut. And then, you know, gradually, well, let's add a few more things, and now we have this. <laughs> so we have made a contribution, and I, I was just wondering whether in India, at least in Vrindavan, other people are starting to uh, do this. I, this is our American cultural contribution. We come from the land of the Big Rock Candy Mountain. <laughs> So, uh, so we have this uh, special uh, mercy of uh, Govardhan Hill here today. Also, uh, all of this being offered to Krishna, and uh, in this way, we're also converting matter into spirit. Hare Krishna.